Hello and welcome to the Harvest Podcast, brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina. Here at The Field, we put love into action. We hope you are blessed by these previous sermons by Reverend Dr. Peter M. Wary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church and Instagram at The Field CLT. How many grateful folk we got in the house? Amen. Amen. Am I the only one who looks back and realizes that it could have been the other way? But I'm here. I'm standing. I'm grateful. I'm full. I'm filled. I'm saved. Hallelujah. At the end of the day, I found out it's all going to be all right. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mitch. Boy, I will tell you, one of the great voices in the country just reminded us to be faithful, to be grateful. Amen. Thank you, Mitch. Listen, let's go to the Word. It's time for the Lord to speak to us. And would you come with me to the book of Numbers in the First Testament? Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. From the Good News Translation, hear these words. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea, to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me for a while this morning on the subject, Overcoming the Back to Egypt Committee. Overcoming the Back to Egypt Committee. Come on, let's pray. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. Let my will be lost in thine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wealthy businessman was irritated to look out the window of his huge yacht one day and see a 
fisherman sitting lazily beside his little boat on the bank. He said, why aren't you out there fishing? He shouted to him. Man sitting on the shore said, because I've caught enough fish for today. Rich man said, well, why not catch more than you need? The other man said, well, what would I do with them? The businessman said, well, you could earn more money, buy a bigger boat so you could go deeper, catch more fish. You could purchase nylon nets, catch even more fish, make more money. Soon you'd have a fleet of boats and be rich just like me. man sitting on the shore said, well, then what would I do? Well, you could sit down and enjoy life, the rich man said. man sitting on the bank said, well, what do you think I'm doing right now? Looking contentedly out at the sea. Here it is. This little story in its own comical way highlights a profound spiritual reality. That is, that most groups of folk, and I'll go further to say every group of believers, is equipped with a special committee, which I believe functions to keep leaders humble and connected to God. This committee is called the Back to Egypt Committee. This committee keeps leaders humble and connected to God because it has the impact of dousing cold water of reality on any leader who thinks they're about to change the world and that every person whom they lead is actually following them. The Back to Egypt Committee, the BTEC, also backhandedly serves to keep leaders connected to God because a God connection is the only thing that stands between most leaders and despair. When a leader is connected to God, she or he can't allow the frustrations of leadership to override the faithfulness of an ever-present God whose ultimate purpose will always win in the end. Can I talk to some deacon leaders and trustee leaders and ministry leaders? Can I talk to some people who get frustrated sometimes? Let me tell you, your only connection, your only thing to override the BTEC is your connection to God. Like the fishermen in that opening illustration, the BTEC, the Back to Egypt Committee, is made up of folk like the rich man looking out the window of his yacht. They always seem to see the blemishes instead of seeing the blessings of life. The BTEC gets its name from this story found in the 21st chapter of Numbers. The committee was formed when Moses and the people set out from Mount Hor, which was near the land of Edom. Look at the geography in your mind. They traveled about 50 miles south down to the tip of the eastern leg of the Red Sea. Then they traveled north about 75 miles, only a few miles west of where they just traveled. So their route looked like a V, going first south, then almost retracing their own steps. They traveled north again near the Egyptian copper mines at a place called Timnah. It must have been about the time 
when this happened, that they were passing the copper mines at Timna, the Back to Egypt Committee was formed. Its founding principles grew out of two problems. And that's really all we need to talk about today. The first, uh, the first uh, founding principle grew out of the first problem, which is attitude. And the second problem was gratitude. Attitude we find in verse 4. And the problem of gratitude we find in verse 5b. Now truth be told, if attitude and gratitude are the precipitating problems, then a committee like this can spring up out of any group of people. You got some in your neighborhood association. You got some in your fraternity and your sorority. You've got some in your business. You've got some in your church. You've got some in your pew. You got a committee. They can spring up anywhere where people are frustrated with the pace of progress. It can spring up any place where people grow too familiar with the goodness of God. How many know that God has been so good? Sometimes we get like children. We get spoiled. God's been so good to us. This, this is surely a cautionary tale for a church walking through Lent with Jesus. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, even here at the field, there's always a back to Egypt committee. It's operating. It's just par for the course. And wherever you're watching from, if you're not a part of the field, you got one or some in your church too. You might have some in your family. It's the archetypal human response to forward progress. Even though where I've been wasn't exactly where I wanted to be, at least I understood it and I knew what to expect. Even though I was eating whatever I ate as a slave, at least I had the illusion of more control over the variety. I planned my own menus. I cooked for myself. I was a slave, yeah, but at least I cooked for myself. But back to Egypt committees form because forward progress, family is usually slow. It's painstaking. It can feel uncertain and repetitive, unnecessarily complicated. Have you ever been there? God's guidance can take us out of the way on a route much further than our intellect tells us is required. Forward progress can mean feeling trapped by God's choices, losing the sense of control over the simplest things in life. How many know that God's way of doing things ain't like ours? But just so we understand the dynamics of the Back to Egypt Committee, it's important to re-examine the two problems that, from which these, two, these committees spring and to answer to overcoming them. The answer to overcoming these two problems is where we need to end this talk. The problems are attitude and gratitude. Watch verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. One's attitude is one's outlook, one's approach, one's stance, position, your mindset. Your mindset can undo a one-car funeral. The, the attitude, y'all, is the viewpoint through which you understand everything. If a person's attitude is negative family, it can be very challenging to shift them away from negative outcomes of any situation. They're going to almost invariably do negative things because the fountain of their thinking is polluted with 
negativity. I know y'all don't know anybody like that. Let me just talk to myself. I've learned, y'all, that if a person has a negative attitude, it isn't because the situation or the circumstance is negative. It's because they have chosen to see it in a negative light. A negative attitude, y'all, is a window into the soul. John Maxwell says this. He says, your attitude is the John the Baptist of your personality. It heralds to other people just who it is that's approaching them. Proverbs 23, 7 puts it like this. In the King James Version, it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Listen to the Good News Translation. It says this of a person's attitude. What he thinks is what he really is. Israel's BTEC, Back to Egypt Committee in the wilderness had a bad attitude because they were frustrated with the pace of progress. The text makes it plain. This frustration led to the sin of impatience. Frustration was the emotion. Impatience was the sin. You do know it's not a sin to feel frustrated because that's just a way of life. But the sin comes when God is leading you that your impatience takes over your attitude because it was a decision to be impatient. Maxwell says that our attitude is a choice. Frustration is no more sinful than fatigue or sadness. The sin comes from being impatient, the decision to pass judgment on the pace of God's process and God's progress. Who are we to pass judgment on how fast or on what God does? One of the things we learned from Israel taking 40 years to make a two-week journey is that most of the delays in their journey were due to decisions they had made. So before you get mad and impatient with God, just remember you made some decisions that had nothing to do with God along the way. Impatience, y'all, is a sin partly because it's rooted in the arrogance that we know better than God just how fast our pace ought to be. I'm tired of moving so slow. I'm tired of taking so long. I'm tired of going this way. Israel would find out later that, that where they were on the journey was where they really needed to be. In fact, their deliverance from the trouble they would soon be in wouldn't have been accomplished without being located just where they were on the journey. We'll talk about that in just a moment. How many times have you been frustrated by the seeming glacial pace of deliverance from some problem or some struggle? You know you're going to get out or you hope you're going to get out, but you're frustrated because day by day, the longer it takes to get out of it, it feels like God isn't going to bring you out. How many times have you wondered, Lord, how long do I have to go through this here? Moreover, how many times have you grown impatient with God and declared with some arrogance, I want out and I want out yesterday. If those are your thoughts, then congratulations. You are officially a card-carrying member of the Back to Egypt Committee. Welcome to the club. When it comes to the strange Alien God we serve, family, patience is the best policy. Patience is a necessity because God doesn't operate within the confines of puny human tick-tock time. God operates beyond time. 
In fact, God is simultaneously present in our past, in our present, and in our future. He made us. So so he's intimately and uniquely aware that we are caught like in a spider's web in the clutches of time. So it it would help in these moments just to remember all of the many times when you thought it was already too late. Can I get a witness in this house? But God stepped in. Remember, Remember the many seasons when you thought opportunity had passed you by. But God carved a custom-made door right in the middle of some wall folk built around you. Remember the moments when you'd been trying for so long, you gave up on succeeding. But in the nick of time, God snatched success right from the jaws of failure. That problem of attitude will make you not appreciate all the things God has done for you. Sometimes you ought to appreciate that there's somebody else, the song said, worse off than you. Your attitude is the John the Baptist of your personality and when you start looking back and you give up on succeeding and remember how God came through in the clutch, it will remind you that success is really God's plan. Second problem of the Back to Egypt Committee is gratitude. If the first was attitude, verse 5b says it like this, and I'm going to read a little bit further. Verse 5 says, they spoke against God and against Moses. That's after their impatience. And they said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the desert? Listen to their complaint. Ain't no bread, ain't no water, and we are sick of this mess here that we're eating. Grandmother took her young grandson for a fun day at the beach and while she was laying there enjoying the nice warm rays on her aching bones, her grandson started screaming for help. He drifted too far out on the surf and he couldn't feel the bottom anymore. He was drifting further and further away. No lifeguard was in the chair and the people stood around like they were afraid to go out after him. Grandmama couldn't swim so she, she stopped her screaming for help and she looked up to God and she prayed. After about five seconds of her praying, a huge wave swole up behind the boy, pushing him back to the shore and seemed to deliver him right into his grandmother's arms. She jubilantly looked up to God as if to give thanks, but instead of thanks, she blurted out to God, where's his hat? He had a hat on when he went out there. Grandmama apparently belongs to the Back to Egypt Committee. Israel's impatience, y'all, by verse 5, brims over into murmuring and to fussing. Have you ever heard it? They drag Moses onto the carpet, start to smear the blessing of their deliverance with complaining. Why'd you bring us out of Egypt just to die out here in the middle of nowhere? What's the matter? You didn't think there were enough graves in Egypt? Besides that, ain't no bread, ain't no water out here, and this stuff you call manna, it don't even taste right. That the sad reality is, y'all, you really could just plug our names in to the statements of the complaint lodged here by the Back to Egypt Committee. Unfortunately, we tend to have short memories when it comes to the goodness of God. It hadn't been that long ago when 10 devastating plagues ravaged Egypt, but not one came near the Israelites' house. They forgot all about that. Fire and smoke shook Mount Sinai and instructions for life on stone tablets were carved out with the very finger of God. They forgot 
forgot all of that. A road just showed up in the middle of the Red Sea and they crossed without even getting their feet wet. Oh, they forgot about all of that. Their Egyptian enemies were drowned on the same road Israel had just walked over, but they didn't remember that. When they couldn't find their way, two miraculous tour guides showed up. A pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night, but they forgot about all of that. The last time they got thirsty, they didn't even need a faucet. They just had to turn on a rock, but they forgot about all of that. God had given them provisions. He'd given them protection. He'd given them favor. He'd given them victory. He'd given them strength. How many know I didn't stop talking about Israel and now I'm talking about you. He didn't just do it one time, but he did it time after time after time. Family, gratitude is as much about memory as it is about spirituality. It doesn't have to be a great spiritual revelation to give God thanks. All you got to do is to have even a short term memory and you'll remember that you may not yet be where you want to be but because of God's goodness you're not anymore where you used to be among the things you ought to remember to thank God for is the fact that he brought you out of places where you didn't think you were going to make it your attitude can't stink and your gratitude's gotta be on point because if the truth be told you would have to remember so many times when the Lord brought you out. Listen, listen, the, the, the same gratitude has, 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 a, has an ending. It, the, the folk came to Moses after they found out how wrong they'd been. Some snakes got in among them. Y'all know the story and started biting people and folks started dying from snake bite. They came back to Moses hat in hand. Oh, we sorry. We were wrong when we said what we said about you and about God. Can you pray? To, can you pray? If I see a snake, I'm going to be praying. But they said, can you pray and ask God to call off the snakes? Moses, Moses, he turned to the Lord and he prayed for him. And the Lord told him this. He said, now tell you what, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anybody who gets bitten can look at it and live. So, so Moses made, listen to the language, a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anybody got bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake and looked at the bronze snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Uh, see, because, because the Back to Egypt Committee chronically suffers from an attitude of impatience and anemia of gratitude. The, the text shows that God got fed up. In fact, Moses seemed to have more, more patience with him than God did. Poisonous snakes, you heard the text, got set loose among them. The real tragedy of having a back to Egypt committee, y'all, is that when the snakes get loose, it, it's, it, it isn't just the committee members who are going to suffer. Snakes bit a lot of the people and it would seem the committee got very concerned. A lot of folks the text says died from snake bites and when they went to Moses that was a subcommittee of the committee they came to see Moses y'all know we love committees but this time repentance was on their minds and so so after they admitted their bad attitude and their ingratitude discrediting how good God had been forgetting about all the things God had brought them through griping and complaining with dry sandals in one hand and a pile of manna in the other hand so so God 
prove one more time that he's sovereign over every circumstance. Can I get anybody in this house to just believe God is sovereign? I dare you to put it in the chat. God runs everything. Yeah, that's what he proved right then. He told Moses, make the snake and put it on a pole. And God said, if the folk would just muster the faith, oh, don't miss it. Whenever they looked up at the snake on the pole, they would live. So, so Moses crafted that snake, watch it, out of bronze. It was bronze. Bronze is an alloy that has copper as its chief mineral. Where had they been located? Where did they stop? Where were they standing when they started complaining? They were standing right near the Egyptian copper mines in a place called Timnah. The committee had been complaining about the progress they'd made and the unacceptable place they found themselves. But God proved again. God, Mitch says, did it again. And, and he's handling the place of your progress. No matter how slow you think it is, you just need to have faith that God is handling the pace of your progress. I wish I could get some folk to say God is handling the pace of my progress because I know there's some folk in this sanctuary who are concerned and they're down in the mouth because they feel like they've been where they are too long but I need you to know God is handling the pace of your progress. He already knows y'all where you need to be before you even get to where you will be. If they had not been where they were right now, there would have been no copper to make the snake with. Now, now we're learning these days that copper has curative powers and y'all going online and buying copper bracelets and copper knee braces and copper back braces because they say copper helps to ease pain. Well, the Lord knew long time ago that copper was the cure for what was ailing God's folk. It was the cure for their bad attitudes. It was the cure for their negative sense of gratitude and the snake on the pole was the very symbol of God's deliverance from their dilemma. So, so unlike the snakes that were biting folk on the ground, this copper snake didn't have no venom. In fact, it only offered healing for the nation. Uh, moreover, to look up at the snake was to exhibit an act of faith. That was the antidote to the poison in the Back to Egypt committee. Can I help somebody? Faith is the antidote to impatience because faith will build up strength and build up courage and help you to say if I can just hold out if I can keep the faith in God's own time my change will come can I talk to some impatient disciples yeah Faith is the fortress, y'all, against failure. If you can believe, you can achieve it. Just wait, y'all, and you will receive it. I heard David say, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Come here, Isaiah. David said, wait 
I say on the Lord. In Hebrew, that word wait don't mean just sit down on your haunches, twiddle your thumbs, and tap your foot impatiently till God comes. No, 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 wait means to wait with expectation. While you're waiting, you ought to envision the miracle of what God is about to do. Yeah! While you're waiting, you ought to be thanking him before you see him about what he's about to bring to pass. Fix your face. Fix your attitude. Quit sucking your teeth. Quit flexing your neck. God is, God is on the way. Whether you believe it or not, looking up at the snake, y'all, was a call to faith in the midst of the desert. If you can look up while you're in the wilderness, you'll move ahead for the rest of your life. Why? Because this bronze snake is the only Old Testament metaphor that Jesus actually applies to himself. Jesus said, just like Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will, John 12, 1, I will draw all men unto me. It's a statement, a statement of faith that lifting up Jesus is to trample down trouble. To lift up Jesus is to rearrange reality. That which was deadly now has no power. That which was rendered us finite now gives us a future. God can, God will through Jesus take that thing that should have killed you and give you new life. I wish I had a witness. Yeah! God will take that which looked like it was going to stop you and move you forward. Somebody say yes. God will with a little faith and a little gratitude fix your attitude and amend your altitude. He will lift you up above your enemy, round about you. Yes! Ah, yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Faith is an attitude fixer. Faith will make you remember how good God's been. Somebody say yes. Oh, yeah.
Somebody needs to get a bowl if you're in your kitchen. Get a TV tray if you're in the family room. I just want you to go person to person in your house and just say, I'm collecting membership cards to the Back to Egypt Committee. I'm picking them up now because we're going to believe. We're going to believe the report of the Lord. We're going to believe and declare that Jehovah has the final say. Yeah! God, I feel a run in this house. No more. Back to Egypt. I'm going. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I don't know about you. But I'm bound for the promised land. Keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> Keep your eyes on Jesus. And you never have to go back to Egypt again. Y'all ought to put it in the chat. Tell somebody, tell her, tell the chat, I ain't going back. I ain't going back. Somebody see it. stop me. The devil can't block me. I'm going in. I'm going in. Have your way. back over my journey I shouldn't have a bad attitude cause you've been good yeah. oh God give him glory you've, you've been, been good, good. Yes, sir. better than I've been yeah. to myself you've, you've been, been good, good. Yeah. you've been good you you've been good God, you've been so good. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Give him glory. Put those hands together. Flesh tambourines. Give him what he deserves. If you look back, you'd have to know you didn't bring yourself. 
but your faith in Jesus. Fix your doubting attitude and made you remember how good, how Lord you've been good. If you need Jesus in your life, you ought to come. Give it to him tonight, today, this morning, this very morning. Give him, give him your life right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Jesus is calling you now to look up. Find him. The very symbol of your deliverance. And you can go through life proclaiming in the face of disaster. Lord, you've been good. If you need Jesus in your life, why don't you pray with me? I'm going to invite you to give him your life today in a way that you never maybe have before. Maybe you've learned about him, but you never invited him to take charge of your life. That's what we're talking about. Romans 10:9 says, if you confess with your mouth, that's where it starts, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, that's where it ends, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Nothing can stop you. Nobody can pluck you then out of his hand. Would you pray with me? Come on, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for the wrongs I've done, my sin. I need you as my savior. I am powerless to save myself. In the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, there it is. It's done. You ought to thank God right where you're worshiping that he saved you today. And you ought to be willing to tell somebody, put it in the chat. I accepted Jesus. Say it, say it, say it out loud. Put the hashtag you see down there in, or you can do that, Field Me CLT. Just let us know. Somebody will reach out to you right away and make sure that your commitment is sealed and your new life in Jesus begins. We'll do it right away. we get ready to leave this place the old song says I don't believe he brought me this far just to leave me how many know it's your testimony come on let's sing it as we go on I don't feel no
Come on, let's say it again. I don't believe he brought me this far. I don't believe he brought me this far. No, 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 never. He brought me this far. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever, and all of God's people who have quit the Back to Egypt Committee say, Amen. Go in peace. The road would be I don't believe he brought me this far. I don't believe he brought me this far. I don't believe he brought me this far. I don't believe he that the message has uplifted, encouraged, and challenged you as you continue your walk with God. If you're looking for a church home, the great news is the field is not confined by the four walls of the church, for we all know that the people are the church. If you wish to become a partner in ministry, but more importantly, a member of God's family, simply reach out to us on Facebook, at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church or on Instagram at the Field CLT. Thank you once again and be blessed.